Hello, adventurers. I want to take a moment to tell you that all our content can now be found uninterrupted and commercial-free on Apollo Plus. Apollo Plus is a subscription-based service that enhances your audio fiction experience with ad-free access to your favorite shows and exclusive content, while at the same time supporting us all as creators to keep bringing you quality content. Please take a moment to check out Apollo Plus at apollopods.com or download the app in your Google or Apple app stores. Again, that's Apollo Plus, your new home for quality audio fiction. Hello, adventurers, and welcome back to Garnet Keep. Though it's starting to sound like you will be leaving again. Our patrons, Ryan Donnelly, Rory Christensen, Lanny Flanagan, Julene Fresquez, Haley Munoz, Daniel Nichols, and Brian Dowling are actually saddling up the horses currently, but something isn't right in the war room. I don't think that voice is actually coming from our dear Una, even if it is coming from her body. Please don't delay. They're meeting just behind this door. Let me get it for you. Doll of Dragons, Season 5. Episode 6, Betrayal. The green ghostly firelight bounced faintly off the rough stone blocks of the room, seeming to illuminate Una's face. Or was it her face? Dabria gazed at her old friend with concern. Una's coal black hair framed powerful, intelligent eyes. Not the awkward and fearful gaze from before. Fearful of some unknown force watching, lurking, somewhere in the back of her mind. She looked up from the small, mysterious book in her hands, and a one-sided grin cracked her icy stare. The voice that was not hers then spoke. I remember a distant storms rising. We rode at the head of it. Bravely, we challenged a new world as we grew stronger, more powerful. My dearest friend, <laughs> a friend, that concept seems so distant now. Friends, that is. There were three of us then, riding out in our adventures and trying to save the world from itself. Again, my dearest friend rode at the front long blue-black hair and fierce eyes. <coughs> he was a swordmaster, and a great one. He had rescued our companion from a world of blood and enslavement. Back here. Yes. He was always cloaked in shadows. They clung to him. <laughs> Even more so than I did to my precious dark arts and the magic of the dead. Back here. Back here. I found it. <laughs> yes, I, I found it back here. I found him back here. He took us to an abandoned and ruined temple in his homeland, where we would seek a powerful ally. A master of the dark power of necromancy. <laughs> Do not judge me. I was no stranger to the dead. 
But he, he was a legend for it. And in my arrogance, I believed I could control him. He imprisoned me. Imprisoned me in a tomb hewn from my own pride and ignorance, deep in the ancient burial ground of Strath, northeast of Kerr and the Bloodwood Mountains, in southern Scotland. And there is where you must find me and free me. <laughs> Why should we help you? There is nothing in Strath for us. The room snapped to Davria's face. Her hands were clenched tight as she looked at her dark sister. Because, little girl, I'm the only hope you have. Frankly, you are wrong. With me lies an ancient and powerful relic capable of destroying entire armies. Did you actually think Una could see the future by herself, navigating the world of the clairvoyance without me? It was my will that helped you escape the army. It was my direction to assist. Soros. Una serves me. Who are... Wait. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, someone is a price. Tell me, Dimitri. Do you know who I am? Memory flooded her. She saw herself in the ivory library for the first time, reading a book about three adventurers. In the ivory library I read in the early days, Lord Pallas and Maldros the Dark traveled with a powerful sorceress. One that my order respected, though she was unconventional. Maybe that was actually more out of... Fear. <laughs> yes, Cordelia. Well done, and pleased to meet you. I am Ash Delarosa. Hey, Daria, think fast! <laughs> <laughs> Oops, look good too. The familiar smell of the dead old spices used to make the thick paste of the meal more palatable, wafted to her nose. It mixed with the musty stone floor as Dabria's memory bent to pick up the dented tin platter and spoon. She looked up in the large room and saw hundreds of eyes on her, jeering eyes. The mess hall within the barracks of Enric was alive with the young officers gathering for their meal. They were the chosen leadership of Lord Pallas's army, being groomed to lead expendable shock troops, either as frontline officers or hopefully as centurions, with hundreds of bodies to command. Hey, move it! Yeah, some of us want to eat! I'm not sorry, Rassler. You better leave Una alone. You better watch yourself, you and your freak friend. Oh, well, you were away. We found something of yours. The young officer's dark brown eyes coldly held Dabria's as she produced a small wooden bear cupped in her hand. The red ribbon was worn and faded to rose pink threads. Give that back. Cubes need to move now. <laughs> Oi, miss. Huh? You, uh... Oh, uh, You all right there? Y yes. All is well. Sure? 
Okay. You just look pretty pale for a minute there. <laughs> Don't want you getting sick on the bar top I just cleaned. <laughs> you know. I know this is your first night here, but it's not mine. So, <laughs> not a chance. I'll take another pour of that sour red wine I've come to enjoy of yours. Uh, of course. A month had passed since the reveal of Una's secret. The group had decided that they would set off again together to make way back to the old country, to the southern border of the cold giant lands. They would travel to an ancient tomb known only as Stroth, a forgotten landmark that was shrouded in mystery, all because of Una's voice. Dabria now found herself in the coastal city of Beno at the Slow Match Inn, where they were spending, hopefully, the last of their nights in this town. The bartender made his way to the middle of this long, dark wood bar to where the slender blue bottle of tart wine was held. An unusual pair sat just on the other side, talking to each other. Oh, look at those fools over there. They should have learned something about Zoran taking their money last time we sailed together. <laughs> Too funny. Yeah. Sophie, if the pieces in this bag are what Cordelia says they are, huh? we... Cordelia? She's my best friend. Hey, actually, I know she likes that ginger mead. Can you send one her way? Huh? On me? Uh-oh, sure thing. What, what about him? Oh, Benedict? Benedict's fame for the retaking of Garnet Keep was spreading, and they were under strict orders not to speak his name. Oh, uh, him? He's a milk drinker. <laughs> I'll buy him one of those, too. Well, he sounds good. I'll get him right over. You, uh, may want to make sure your friend gets to bed soon over there. She can't just sleep on my bar all night, yeah? No problem. We'll get her. Uh, Una... Hey, Una! Oh, oh, my gosh. Bedtime! <laughs> Let's get you to bed. I'm fine. Yep, perfect. <laughs> I'm sorry I... Stop. You're fine. Remember, don't worry about it. We all had fun tonight. As they carried their friend to her quarters, Sophie looked over the raven-clad shoulder of Una at a table where a familiar pair of minotaurs were laughing with Zorin. She felt Zane smile as her eyes met the deep blue eyes of the powerful Kiri, quartermaster of the Sun God. I'm sorry, tell me again. What are we doing? Keldor's note says we need to meet Lamprey down the street. Crowds were bustling as the fish markets reached their peak time in that cool morning. The sun hadn't risen too high to warm the fresh catch of the day from the wharf. The briny copper and vinegar smell of the sea wafted gently in the breeze. It was not too overpowering as to turn them away. It was familiar. Cordelia thought of the days in Port Lafour where she would accompany Zoran to the docks to buy fish for their meal. Despite the pleasant memory, Something was still bothering her about this strange errand. But in secret, we all know Lamprey and... Yes, secret. 
That's Keldor's instructions. Lamprey has been on some secret assignment for the keep months. Not sure what. You really don't know then? No. That was between Keldor and he. I've learned sometimes that knowing too much can do more harm than good. Needlessly worrying about things you can't control. That makes sense. I still wish we could have said more to the team, though. It's only a moment. Besides, I trust Keldor. But... But I... I don't know if I'm just worrying too much, but... Ah. That's got to be it. The tarred brick building was a centralized warehouse for the local fishermen. Used for off-season storage of non-perishable equipment, it was rarely frequented, and the light guard was simply the regular city guard on patrol, quiet. We entered the single door on the west side, meant for the polite entry of guests. Beyond the empty gray and crimson front desk was the huge expanse of the warehouse floor. It was cloaked in darkness. Of the twenty or so tall stacks of crates, only a few of the rows were illuminated by as many windows and a pair of skylights from above. Coming in from the morning sky made this even more foreboding. This is dark. Should I? No, not yet. I don't feel any evil threat here. At least. Okay. The cousins made their way into the dark, musty room. Benedict's plate armor glinted as it passed through a sunbeam, casting some light to scatter along a crate marked House Venray. The Baron? Benedict held up a hand to stop them as he pointed to a single figure in the room, standing with his back turned to them. His familiar black and red tunic fell from his shoulders and the sword and crown of the Order was faded but visible on his back. Benedict drew his sword slowly. That's odd. Lamprey? Seeing him draw Kettlebane, Cordelia ignored Benedict's warning and began chanting to herself. Feeling the warm glow in her hands as the crates in Benedict's back began to illuminate in what appeared to be torchlight. In reality... The four-inch sphere of coiling flame was turning in her hands, ready to take action at her call. The flame illuminated the back of their friend as he turned slowly, his left eye wide as it appeared from the salt and pepper mutton chops, mutton chops that revealed a dirty gag in his mouth. Don't fight. Oi, gather him up. Let's go. We are done here. As his head throbbed from the impact of the assailant, hidden in the shadows, Benedict could feel the warm trickle of blood run a rivulet from the crown of his head across one closed eye. It entered the corner of his mouth, bathing his tongue in the familiar iron taste as he felt rough bonds of hempen rope bind his hands. He swayed from his knelt position. He used all of his energy to open his other eye. Standing over the collapsed form of Cordelia stood the bartender from last night. The same one 
who delivered Keldor's note. days had passed aboard the Sun God as they set their course towards the northern Sea of Storms. Zorin noted how dark the water seemed, a frothy deep teal, and the cloudy northern days felt unwelcome, cold. Being employed by the Southland's trade route, he had never traveled this far north. That wasn't what weighed heavy on his mind, though. It was the unexpected note of Keldor the hasty exit of better. I'll say it again. I hope he's okay. He's fine. Better will get back there and all will be well. The keep has its own burden and if Keldor is sick, it makes sense Benedict and Cordelia would help to make sure things got done. Besides, who needs a paladin when they got us? <laughs> right? Come on. You know it's true. <laughs> Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, it'll be okay. The mighty deck of the Sun God heaved as it slammed effortlessly into a large wave. Zorin looked up and smiled at the familiar beams of the ship that had brought them to the new world. He was thankful to be back on deck. He'd known many ships, but Captain Trisket and Jola had become close friends over that journey. Felt almost like a second family. Hey. Let's go see if it's time for the rum ration yet. <laughs> yeah, well, let's see here. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's go ahead and check. Zorin looked aft toward the rear of the ship and took note of the cloaked glow of the sun hidden in the clouds, just slightly higher than where the captain stood at the helm. Definitely later in the afternoon, you would guess. As good a time as ever to check. Perhaps a wet chase back some of the chill they had felt in the air. There's a storm rolling in, Captain. Northwest by west, and should be here in a turn. Should be a quick one. Aye. Set the mainsail on a deep reef and a just course 30 degrees to the southeast. No bother to outrun that monster. Aye. All right, lads. Man the topsail. Claw lines and butt lines. Weather topsail braces. Hands by the lead races. Bolins and halyards. Zorn and the deckhands set to work, tying back sails to the 40-foot yard of the mainsail. The other sails were reefed as ordered. The storm grew closer. Cold air picked up again, and a shiver ran down Zorn's back. Pull out the reef tackles! Pull up the butt lines! Lay out! That's no storm! God. Bash. Do you see what... Bash? Bash! Bash stared into the approaching storm. The familiar green hue of the darkened clouds which usually pretended hail. The sun began to disappear behind them. The green glow intensified from within the clouds as lightning crackled from within. The deck burst into panic shouts as the crew collectively saw the dark clouds burst open, revealing the bow of a thundering ancient ship, glowing green 
with an unearthly ghost light and bearing down directly towards them. Appearing in this episode, Bartender, Keith Martin, Benedict the Paladin, Brian Dowling, Captain Triscuit, Daniel Nichols, Cordelia the Fire Mage, Jolene Fresquez, Dabria the Death Cleric, J.D. Rose, Guard, Patrick Kramer, Jolith, the Minotaur Boson, Matthew Bianchi, Officers, Patrick Mendelson and Storm S. Cohn. Scottmere, the Dwarven Berserker, Colton Jansen, Sophie, the Swordmaster, Sarah Jenkins, Una's Patron, Ash Della Rosa, the Necromage, Shannon Roby, Vash, the Archer, Barrett Giant, Young Rassler, the Bully, Nikki Richardson, Zorin, the Swashbuckler, Cody Miller, Maldros the Dark, and Keldor, the narrator, Mike Ashley. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Dice Tower Theater's Dawn of Dragons. Please join us in thanking our magnificent cast for their performance, and their full list can be found in the show notes. If you'd like a sticker from the show, please leave a review on any podcasting platform and send a screenshot to dm at dicetowertheater.com with a mailing address we can send it to. In the next episode... What purpose drives a ghost ship cloaked in shadow? And who has kidnapped Cordelia and Benedict? And why? Until then, fellow adventurers, stay safe and remember the oath. <laughs>